You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Good afternoon. This is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast. Uh, in case you are new to us, we are two friends that love to get together to discuss the Bible, God, theology, Jesus, and life. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And we like to envision that you, as our listener or our viewer, if you're watching online, are eavesdropping on our conversation and uh, we uh, like to have a, a fun time, relaxed time, uh, discussing the Word of God. We usually have a co- coffee or hot chocolate nearby, and uh, and we usually go through books of the Bible. But today we've been uh, actually doing a series of discussion on the attributes of God, and uh, and so today we're going to cover another attribute. And before before we do, of course, uh, a couple things: like and subscribe our, our, our YouTube if you're watching. Uh, Go to iTunes, give us a review, download our stuff, or go to our website, passionforhisword.com, passionforhisword.com, and you can check out uh, all of our previous recordings. Um, but today, we have a new recording, new discussion, and before we get started, i got to say hi to my friend, Reverend, Bishop, Pastor. Hello, sir. How are you doing, man? Brother Mitchell. I'm doing well, dude. I'm doing well. You look nice, nice, uh, nice you know... Thank you. Nice. Is it lavender? <laughs> it is. Or is it purple? It is. It's you, it's lavender is a shade of purple, albeit on the lighter side. Are your socks right. matching your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> That's okay. You can pull that off. That's okay. That's good. Well, anyway, so we're going to discuss uh, the the attribute of God called the aseity of God. I want to say, I say, I say a T, or the self-existence, Longhorn, Leghorn. If you you are of older year as we are, there was a cartoon character called Foghorn Leghorn, and he would say something like that. And his favorite attribute was, I say a T. So anyway, like I said, we have fun. so good. So um, get your Bibles open if you want to, and, and just tune in. So... Hey, let's talk about okay the assay, the aseity, the self existence, the uh, of God, right? And so we're, we've been having. If you haven't had a chance to 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 listen to our previous recordings, go check out the previous ones. We've been having a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. In fact, the time when you're discussing when you're discussing God, it kind of leads you into worship, you know, because yes. you're now getting a clear understanding mm-hmm. of the nature of God, and the more you understand who He is and what He's like, the proper response. Is worship absolutely because he's so amazing and so and you are in awe of him. So let's talk about what do you want to start? Yeah, so so we should first start with the term because everyone um, uh, may not it's a, necessarily yeah. be familiar with the term aseity. It's a great. It's a, I love. I love. It's Latin. Yes, it's it's actually <laughs> Latin. The idea is far more ancient than um, its first derivation in Latin in the 1690s. Right. Or thereabout, right? Um, 
near uh, right uh, during that period after Calvin and and um, um, after the time of Luther. Yeah. Uh, but um, and of course, if you're doing theology, you certainly have to take into consideration a great deal of the Latin fathers, right? Uh, because they become critical to a lot of the terms that we employ right. within the framework of uh, systematic theology, right? But uh, the idea um, um, goes certainly back to Scripture, but I would like to to suggest that when we're talking about it, St. Thomas Aquinas also comes into the discussion. You like St. Thomas, don't you? <clears throat> I do. I like his thinking. You like he his, was, he's he a deep very, thinker. Well, the truth is, John, both you and I, St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, these are great we thinkers. can't dismiss these great thinkings of, uh, the, these great thinkers yeah. of yesteryear. Yeah. Uh, we do theology in community with both the living right. and with the dead, yeah. and we are ed- aided greatly by their uh, their thoughtfulness. We have a lot of dead friends, in, the, <laughs> in, a, in a good way, you know? <laughs> you, know, you know. People have gone on before us, yes. but Saint Thomas is a he's a giant of a thinker and a theolo- theologian, and yes, and uh, you brought him up. Yes, and the reason why is because of his statement, the uncaused cause. Yes. Right? Um, but before we get there, um, it's important to probably, in in brevity, um, define what we do not mean as aseity. Right. <clears throat> so so the, the term, just the term, is a Latin term uh, derived of, of two uh, uh, terms, right? right. Uh, one, uh, the Latin a which is of or from, and the other, se, which is self, right? right? Of self. Um, yes, and so it can be from self or of self. Now, right. that's just the, the very basic definition of the term. Right. Uh, what do we not mean by that? We do not mean that God has uh, um, wished or desired himself into existence. Right. We do not mean that God has come into existence of himself or by himself. Like he's his own cause. That's right. That's incorrect to say And that. that's why the Thomas Aquinas statement comes right. in, because he is the uncaused cause. Um, he is the unmoved mover. Uh, he is the source of all life, himself being life. Yeah, he says, God is the first cause, himself uncaused. That is correct. Is what he said. That is correct. So, he, it, he, so when some people think, well, where did God come from? <laughs> God is has always been. God necessarily exists right. of himself right. because that is the nature of his being. Right. His being is one of necessary existence. Right. So he doesn't have to will himself into existence. Right. Nor can he will himself out of existence, nor does he exist arbitrarily if he wanted to not exist. Right. He simply is. And of course that will take us directly into scripture. But what we're talking about is God existing of or from himself. Right. And we're going to go into that in further detail. Yeah, we think about it in, in human terms because we think of sequential or time. And we think, you know, we relate to all of the rest of creation. But God is is in a completely different category of an existence Absolutely. than we are. And so we can't bring him down to our level as, you know. He, he's not depending on anything outside of himself. Right. He is. He just is. And he is the source of all that exists, right? In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Right. But God himself is not. His His being is not dependent or contingent upon anything or anyone. Now, that, that, I mean, we can go, 
in a lot of different directions with that, just even just meditating on that, those thoughts because, well, because of just the enormous um, wonderment of that, you know, yes. that when, when God appears to Moses and, he, and, God's, and Moses says, you know, what's your name? And God yeah. says, I am. I I I exist in Exodus three fourteen. I and am in an, fact John. I am we should probably am. turn there. So if you have your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter three verse fourteen. And while we're going to Exodus chapter three verse number fourteen, it's important to say that Scripture, as we are introduced to God, um, uh, does not. Uh, seek to try and laboriously prove the existence of God. It simply states the existence of God as a reality, as an objective fact. Well, well the very first verse in the Bible, in yes. the beginning, God. Right. <laughs> as if to say, I, I need no introduction and I don't need to prove myself. In the beginning, God. Yeah. Bam. Okay, so Exodus 3.14, God um, uh, appears to Moses in the burning bush and Moses says in verse 13 uh, to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who, who I am. And he says, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now that's a, Now we read that, and that seems strange, you know, that God's name is I am, like from... A normal human perspective, but God is saying a lot in that, in just that, those words, the, the, um, the tetragrammaton, the tetra, the special sacred name of the Lord. Um, and it's significant when, when Moses says the people of Israel will say, what's his name? Mm-hmm. And one says, what's his character? Who's, who is, it's not just the name of who he's called, but, but, but the profoundness of God saying, I am revealing myself, I'm revealing my name to you. Absolutely. Or or could we go further? I'm revealing my nature, my nature which is encapsulated in or summarized in this name, right? Right. And of course, um, uh, within that name, you see this, um, um, this immeasurable infinitude. So let's just tackle, first of all, this concept of name. Right. If, if we were reading this and we were Jewish, we would say Hashem, or we would say Adonai. Or, or, or we would say, if you were writing it, you'd see capital G dash right. and then capital D. Or Adonai. <clears throat> uh, right, right. Right. And so as, as you're seeing this, this is known as the sacred name. Now, right. the term for name in Hebrew is shame, right? right. Uh, to speak- Don't shame my name. <laughs> That's how I remember it in Hebrew class. Yeah. And, and, and to speak of this specific name would be with the definite article, right? Hashem, right. the name. The ha is right? the, yeah, definite article. And the term in Septuagintal Greek or regulative Greek and also in Koine Greek is anomite. Um, uh, that's the concept of name. Right. Now, what happens? It names in the ancient Near East and in the intertestamental period and in the um, transitional testaments and in the New Testament proper from Acts to Revelation were never given inconsequentially. Right. You know, like we kind of just, so what are you going to call this individual? Right. Um, um, Shabukwi or, or something like that that has... <laughs> wait, wait, is that... A, that's funny. <laughs> wait, is that your first choice of a name for somebody? <laughs> I mean, if that's your I name and you're choose. watching us, don't be offended. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... 
Please don't be offended. I promise that that was pulled out of the air. Oh, my. All right. So what? What's in this drink? You said it was, I said it was decaffeinated for you, right? Yes. Um, I should have given you the caffeinated one. So, so we didn't just come up with, um, they didn't just come up with irrelevant names. The names were given to, number one, highlight character. Right. Either a character that was shown, and it could be shown as early as um, um, in the womb. Right. Or it could be shown in birth. Right. right, you think about right. um, uh, Yaakov, Jacob, right. um, Benjamin. Uh, it, it could be shown. It, it would be a name that indicates some kind of disposition, like Esau, right. Harry, Harry yeah. as as it were, and and also um, 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 like his reddish hue, as right. it were. Um, it could be a name that described the disposition again, like. Adam from Adama. Right. Um, um, he's a human from the dust, as it were. Right. And then you have Edom, red, right. as it were. Um, you could also have names that were uh, kindred to events. Right. Um, that's the Isaiah, uh, Isaiahic, uh passage Laughter. in Isaiah 17. Or, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Isaac. Oh, I'm not Isaiah 17, Isaiah 7, but you're right. Right. Um, um, his name is going to be Isaac, right? Yitzhak, which right. means laughter. Because he's, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So you had. You had various reasons. Um, um, uh, for instance, when you have Ikavod, right? Um, the glory has gone. Right. Um, uh, you Ichabod. Just, yeah, yeah. So, so you had names that would describe events, characteristics, a disposition, some hope, as it were. Or you could have an individual who Noah. who cu- right rest right right. Uh, you could have a a a coupling of the a sacred name of God along with a human being. Right. So you can have those things mixed together, right? Right. Eli, um, 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 uh, God is my God, my or God. my God, as it were. Right. Or Eliyahu, right. um, Yahweh is my God. Right. So you had names for various purposes, but to be clear, there was always a purpose right. behind an There's always an attachment of, of an event or characteristic with the name. Absolutely, and this is not only in God is gracious, right? And this is not only in. (laughs) You got me with CL. It's C period L period, and I got nothing for you. (laughs) But with God's name, yeah, with the sacred name, which I, I think sometimes we we say His name flippantly or almost without. I still think there should be reverence to his name. There should be, and and let's just pause on that for a moment. Yeah, and this is not this has nothing to do with the Sadie proper, but with the name of God, I do think that there should be some some honor to it. Still, it, it segues. Uh, it's a segue into the the sacred name, right? Right, and into the aseity of God, which <clears throat> which 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 is highlighted in the tetragrammaton. Right. But with that being said, which John, just for our listeners of yours, the tetragrammaton, it's it's four letters: Y H W H Yod Hey Vav Hey. Right. Yep. And it's the sacred name. We, if you read your Bibles, and it says Lord in all caps. All caps. That's the name. And that's the name that a lot of our Jewish friends, you know, a lot of people would never pronounce. And, and there's only, a reason why. It's, right. it's more Talmudic, right? right? In other words, in the 613 commandments, you have those commands given in Scripture, of course. Um, um, Ten of those commandments are found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, right? right? But in the Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 text, you shall not take the, the name, name of the Lord in vain. vain. Right, so they right? try to honor that. 
absolutely. Okay, so, so they kind continue. of put a fence around that to protect the sacred name. Okay, so now let's get into about what, what about the fact that he's addressing <clears throat> Moses. So Ehiyah Yehovah. Uh, what you see in the root is uh, Hey Vav. Hey, or some right. would say, hey, wow, hey, right. depending on which school you, you learned it in, right? Um, or, yeah, I'm, wow. I'm a Vav guy. I yeah, I'm, I'm a Vav guy. I, I, anyway, uh, depending on that, what you're looking at is that is the verb to be. To be, right. To be or to exist. Right. Now, to place the imperfect um, <clears throat> yod on that right. is to say, I will exist. Right. Um, and, and when you see that in Septuagintal Greek, or if you see that in Koine Greek, it's ego eimi, right? right? I am, right. or I exist, right? right. Um, and so literally, his name is the existing one. Right. Or I be, or I am, right. or I will be who or what I will be. Right. You can't speak of God as was. You can't speak of God as is. Right. He's the constant present. I am. I exist. I exist. Now, with relation to then the fact that he says, I exist, when we're talking about the aseity of God, which is God is self-existent, he's not from any source, he just exists, what do we, what do we want to say about that? What's, what do we want to say that's, that's, that's <clears throat> to give us more clarity as far as, because, you know, okay, God has always existed, so what does that mean? So so let's talk about the precariousness of terminology here. Yeah. Right? We're going to run into some some limitation because of the the um the bounds right. of of language. Right. Right? So first of all, since God is outside of time, the language of has always existed seems to put some time constraints on him. But that's because of the limitation of our language. So it's the language of accommodation, isn't right, it? Right, right. So he is, he exists, and he exists uh, of himself, from himself. But this is not to say that God came into existence. Right. God does not have a moment or a point in time where he came into existence. Right. Now, that's difficult for us because all we know are beginnings. right. And ends. Right. So when the Bible refers to him as the Ancient of Days, this is the accommodating language in our right. uh, uh, um, minds, right? Uh, to 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 aid us in thinking us about yeah. God's eternality. But the truth of the matter is, uh, when there, as my father, uh, the believer at rest, Doctor Mitchell would have said, when there was no where or when, no now or then, he is hmm. because he's outside of time, space, and all of those things. So what this name helps us to realize is it is best to think of God as the existing one. Okay. And so we yeah. can say within the framework of within the framework of time, like, like Moses does in Psalm 90, right. before the mountains were brought forth. Right. From everlasting to everlasting. Not Psalm 90 verse 2, yeah. You are God. Right. right? So so within our framework of time, um, um, he's not only from the beginning of that time, but he is before right. all time. Right. So he is, he is, if he's the self-existing one, he's independent and self-existing. He has no source. He's actually then, then you can just, of course, logically think about this, but also scripturally then, then everything else has existence from him. Right. He has no source, himself being the source of all things. Right. So... Uh, in fact, uh, as I'm thinking about, uh, about in Scripture, where um, 
in the book of Acts where it says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands. You th- and just thinking about the fact that God, that everything has come from him in a sense. Everything then is dependent on him. If if he's independent, that means the rest of us are, I mean, by virtue of the fact that there's only one being that could be independent. Absolutely. I, I think it's important um, to to highlight the the gentilic thinking in this area that you mentioned in Acts in chapter, Acts 17. chapter yeah. number 17, John, yeah. uh, when Paul is making his address right. on Mars Hill. Hill I've been right? there to Mars Hill. That is so cool. Oh, it by is. the way, yes. by the way, th- there's a parenthetical commercial that you ought to make at this point. Well, it hasn't been confirmed. But in the works. We're in the works of... Per- and this is Lord willing. Everything is Lord willing, okay? Because I'm studying through the book of James, and we're teaching through the book of James. And so I'm taking... So we are in the initial discussion with the, the travel agent people to plan a trip to Israel. Yes. We're shooting for May 2023. And so no one else knows this, just a few people. Except everybody else. Now everyone knows it. <laughs> But um, we're planning a trip, uh, May 2023, and so uh, a few of us pastors will get together and tell our congregations, and if people want to come. And know. if any of our listeners yeah. uh, would like to be included in that trip. We'll, um, we'll, we'll, um, we'll release details as we get them. It's obviously a, it's far away right. in the future, but there's a lot of planning to do. But anyway, yeah. how do we get from... Well, that was. Oh, just, we're going to Mars Hill. That's right. That's in Mars Greece, Hill. though. Mars Hill's yeah, in Greece. That is yes, yes. But that was a good. That's a good segue, segue to that, yeah. right? Okay, so <clears throat> we're on. We're going to Acts chapter seventeen, Mars Hill, which is this clump of marble. So, so Paul is is going to do a gospel apologetic, and he's a very wise um, a defender of the faith, but also. Uh, a presenter, if you will, of the good news. Right. Um, um, he's in a terribly superstitious slash religious society. Right. Uh, ancient Greece is known for oh, yeah. the 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 uh, panoply uh, and plethora. The, the panoply, the covering, and the plethora, the many right. gods that they have. Right. They are terribly polytheistic. So they believe in many gods. Um, in fact, uh, there's record that they had some at least 30,000 gods. And lest they had missed one... You know, that's a lot of holidays, altar. you know? Can you yes. imagine? It's, it's so-and-so's birthday. We have to take a holiday. That's a lot of festivals to celebrate. <laughs> I don't know. And, and they had an altar erected to an unknown god because right. they would never want to be irreverent to a god. Right. Now, now, this is not just the thinking of the Grecians, right? This is thinking that courted the ancient Near Eastern world of the of the, the Gentiles. Right. Um, um, and, and Gentiles, by Gentiles, we mean everyone who was non-Jewish, Jewish, yeah. right? Earlier, you and I uh, walked through the book of Jonah. Yep. And when we walked through the book of Jonah, there are a series of questions that the mariners ask right. Jonah. And each of them, each of the questions have a God behind them. Right. Because what they're trying to discover is... What which God did you defend? Which God is angry? Yeah, yeah. Which God did you offend? Right. And and so in this particular framework, Paul is now using this platform as an apologetic <clears throat> launching pad, pad rather, and as a gospel launching pad yeah. to be able to tell them of the one true God. So why don't you read the section? So in Acts seventeen and verse twenty-two, so Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. Ar- 
and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of, wor- of your worship, I also found an altar t- with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or, and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead." Interesting, I love the fact that he says that uh, he is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's a very powerful statement that Paul is making in right. the ancient Near Eastern world. Well, just think about you know, God's self-existence and independence would necessarily um, conclude that God doesn't even need us. Absolutely, absolutely. But within the framework of of what Paul is saying, um, uh, for the for the Gentilic nations, their thought was that the gods not only should be served, but absolutely needed to be served. Right, like they need, like like in the Old Testament it talks about in Isaiah how a person would come and and make their idol, their mm-hmm. their little god, and of course you have to carry your little god. Your god needs you to carry him around and to to feed it, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. And he's saying, listen, God doesn't need that at all. Well, well, when you go back all the way to Egypt, right? Right. When you go back to Egypt, the idea was that the pharaohs were gods, but you had to make sure that even when they died, you put them in a, in a wonderful pyramid. You had to pyramid, them up, five and star. you had to make sure that you had um, their, their servants there and yeah. food there and, and accommodations there because you, you didn't want the gods to be angry. So the gods, the people needed the gods. But the gods needed the people as well. Um, when you look at the Atrahasis or the Enuma Elish or the Gilgamesh epic, yeah. what you see is they created the dark-headed people because they needed them to do the the the, the labor. The dark-headed people. Th- that's what I they refer to them. As. I got dark hair. <laughs> yeah, that's what they refer to them as the dark-headed people because they needed basically workers because they didn't want to do the work and in many cases the gods were not necessarily very good at doing the work. Frankly. So this is it's interesting. So Paul's statement isn't just the fact he's interesting this unknown god who's who's a real god. But he, he's describing his very nature as being independent, self-existent, and being the source of everything. Well, Life he's and- arguing that he is altogether unlike the other deities right. that Greece would know, that Rome would have known, that Egypt would have known, that Babylon or Assyria or any of the other nations of the world would have known. He is absolutely independent. So this is the idea. This temple that you all see that is 
necessary for your gods, uh, Zeus and and Hermes and right. things of that nature. <clears throat> God may have a temple in Israel, right? But it's not because he needs it, right? We don't feed him there. We don't right. accommodate him or cater to him there. What we do there is in worship and acknowledgement of him. And in fact, what's done there is more for us than it is for God. Right? God is not contingent upon this. And that would have been shocking in the ancient Near Eastern world, right. because if you did not make sure that the God was fed, then that angered the gods. See, how, how, and I, I don't want to judge, but how, I don't want to say strange, but to think that your God would need you to take care of your, now, what kind of God is that? That's not even a God, that's a pet. Well, you're, you're, that's so accurate. That's so accurate because, you know? because John, here's the reality. The biblical God of the Hebrews, we were made in his image. Right. But the Greco-Roman gods and the gods of the older cult, other cultures, yeah. their gods were made in their image. Yeah. So this is no thing. So now when we talk about God being of a completely different level. Transcendent, altogether Transcendent, other. completely different kind of existence and perfection. Now we're, we're our understanding of the, now our our view of God ought to be leveled, raised to even higher. And we have to think about the implications of, you know, God being, you know, God, if he's, if he's independent, that means he doesn't lack in anything because he exists. You know, he doesn't need own additional this or that or person, you know, Um, and he's not dependent on anyone. You and I are, you know, absolutely necessarily, necessarily. um, So then, the the category between God and us oh, is is so the difference far, between creator and creature. I think I think it was um, I think it was Dr. Grudem in his in his theology book. I think when he's talking about this section, like the difference between us and God is, he says something like it's more than the difference between a, a, a candle a, and the sun, right, and a drop of in, water and, and the, ocean. the ocean. It's more than that. Yeah, and so. You know, so if, if if we think about this, because if God Himself is independent, and He's the only one truly who is independent, like He doesn't need anyone or anything to help Him to anything else, but we are. I I, I think sometimes I mean when when we, when man rebelled or when we sinned, it's almost as if we're saying, God, I don't need you anymore. I could do it on my own, right? <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. You know, isn't that the the really the 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 reality of the fall is? I'll be my own god, right? And I'll I'll supply my own needs. Autonomy. I'll have autonomy. When you think about, it, you look at the picture of that's a, that's madness to even think. But yet we live life that way. Yeah, and we what can, we what we mean by autonomy is self rule, right? Right. That uh, self governance. But how do we really enter into self-care? So, so in one sense, I think in the the when the 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 crux of of a human life, right, a, a life that is living independently in their mind from God, right, in mm-hmm. rebellion against God, the turning point has to come when one recognizes our utter dependency on God for everything in our life, right? Yes. For not just our very existence, but the next breath I breathe is from God, right? The the, the thoughts I got 
they're they're ordained by God. The the, the my heartbeat is by you know by God's allowance. You know um, everything, even for the sinner, even for the sinner. The, the sinner exists at the courtesy of God. The sinner is completely altogether dependent upon God in every way and is living as though they are self-dependent. Right. It's the height of folly. It's the, it's the high, it is the height of folly. So, um, but I, I, let's, let's, let's tease this out or, or think about this because I think, I think just practically these implications for life are, you know, and if I think about God knows that he's, on, he's the only one who's independent. God in Trinity knows that, yes. And if he's perfect in his perfections, in all his perfections of his love and his immensities and his, you know, whatever attribute you want to talk about, then he has to know as, as you know, um, how, how utterly dependent that we really, really are on him. It's not like God saying, well, you go off on your own. You know, when are you going to grow up and and learn how to be independent of me? That's contrary to the to the nature of God. It absolutely is. That means that growing, I think, growing in the knowledge of who God is ought to make you more and more aware of how much you need Him, like moment by moment. Yes. I know. I, I'm I'm just no, thinking no. this through. I, I, I'm with you. So for me, for me, yeah. The aseity of God is terribly humbling. Okay. It's, yes, it's extremely humbling. Yes, because my worship of God, my service for God, is not anything that God is dependent upon. Not at any phase, not at any moment in life. God is not, uh, years ago... Years ago, uh, John, there was a a cartoon, uh, almost like a claymation, and uh, Santa Claus, St. Nick, became quite discouraged, right? right? Um, Because people were simply not believing in him, and it was taking away the magic, if you will, of St. Nick in their thought. And so uh, uh, people were suffering behind this uh, because really Santa Claus brought a, a great deal to people. But then it was a reality that the people brought a great deal to Santa Claus. There was a codependency, if you will. Right. That's not the case with God. You just, when you said, when you were saying your statement about our utter de- dependency on God, the, the thought that came to my mind was no wonder that even God had to provide the sacrifice for our sins. Like, we couldn't even be dependent on ourselves to atone for our sin. Well, if you go back to the garden, um, we reach for leaves. God says that simply won't do. There is a practical reason for that. That's not going to do in the element. Right. But there's also a, a theological reason for that. You don't understand. You can't do what's necessary to cover right. yourself and to expiate so, your so guilt before even, me. Even if we're dependent on God for 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 the atonement of salvation, for the covering and for the righteousness of Christ and for forgiveness, all that has to come from God, not from. So no wonder you just think about the now bringing into into our discussion, um, 
Jesus, and Jesus even says, um, I have, I, I lay down my life because I had the authority to lay down my life, and I had the authority to take it up again. Mm-hmm. Um, that he himself has life in himself, right? As as the second person of the Trinity. That that we are so dependent on Christ for for everything that would be righteous before God has to come from Christ. Yeah, you know, I'm just That's I'm just it. thinking this through as far as as our dependency on this independent self-existing God. That's when you talk about independent, it sounds so so cold. But when you bring in to realize, well, what's the need that you have? If it were an independence that leaned toward deism, yeah. right, just setting the world in motion, right, and then not caring about it, then that would be cold. But what we have is a theism, a belief in God, a God who represents himself as involved with his creation, as involved with his creatures, but not in any way dependent upon his creation. So then, okay, creation. so somebody may, may ask or may think, well, if God is, is independent and he's self-existent and all this kind of stuff, then how do we matter? How do our lives, do our lives even contribute to God at all? Or is there significant, does, is, do we have significance to God if we're, you know what I'm saying? I would use I don't the word, think those terms, but I think are our people... lives significant to God? I would be careful with, do our lives contribute to? Well, I mean, contri- I mean, just thinking humanly, do we, do, does our lives matter to God? Are we, you know, and I know what the scripture says. Scripture says, even if a sparrow falls, God notices the sparrow. That it matters to God. matters to God. You know, it matters to God that you, that you're made in his image, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that you are, uh, that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Of course, that matters to God. And he met, and the fact that he even says, Hey, <laughs> I made you my image. That's special, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I just was thinking about that, but um, go on. Yeah, I, I think I, I want to look at, at Psalm 50, just, just real sure. quick, John. There's, there's something that, that grabs me there. Uh, Cause we looked at the, the gentilic, uh, facet of it, where where Paul is addressing uh, the Grecians, right? Uh, the Greeks, but but here in Psalm fifty, do the Grecians have a Grecian formula? <laughs> here in Psalm fifty, here we go. He is yeah. addressing his covenantal people. Chapter fifty, verse number seven. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Yisrael, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are continually before me. I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, I know every bird of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. In other words, I'm not dependent on you for any of this. Right. If, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or, or drink the blood of male goats? In other words, is, is that what you think you're accomplishing in sacrifices, making sure that I have food to eat, sustenance? Right. right. Um, no. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Here's what you do. Not I'll call upon you, 
You call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Yeah. What we do is we honor God, but we do not provide for God. For God. Right. We worship God, but we don't provide for God. We give him proper adulation and adoration and glory and recognition. Right. But we are not supplying something as though he were deficient and in need of anything that we can give to him. I think there's one thing that we give that we can give to God is our gratitude and thankfulness. And he's not dependent upon that. He's not. But as a proper response, as a proper recognition of what he's given, I think, you know, in fact, I think of Romans 1, you know, and, and Paul talks about how, you know, the really the root cause of a lot of that was not giving God thanks, you know. Yes. And, the, and so the recognition of, Lord, thank you for, you know, for providing everything I have and for, for, for my, you know, my life and for the breath I breathe and for, you can go for the job I have and think, and that the proper response is a recognition and a thank you and give that gives him glory. Of course, he doesn't need it, but he receives it, you know, and it doesn't change his, his being or his nature, but it's a proper response. And it seems like when, you know, we were talking about the, the, the idea that we have to feed our God or God needs us. And, then there's no gratitude in that because it's like, well, no, actually, that the little God needs to thank me for it's an exchange the, of services, exchange of services, <laughs> and so, and and you think about in life that I, I, I just this this you know came to me as you're reading it, the recognition of God being the source of all things in our life, right? Mm-hmm. The air I breathe, right? Jesus, uh, Jesus quotes from uh, from. Um, the Old Testament, man shall not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, as yes. if to say, your very existence is dependent on me, right? And the, 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 the person who comes to Christ, he can re- recognition of his own sin and recognition of a need of, of a salvation and, a, and of atonement goes to God, and God says, I've provided that. i provide that for you. And so hell mm-hmm. is a place or you will get your independence if you want it. The problem, though, is you're not self-sufficient. So you'll have no air to breathe. You'll have no warmth to, to provide for you a comfort because everything you have, no, you'll have no love. You'll have none of the things that we take for granted that are from God will be there. Think about it. In our, in our, if, if you want independence and say, God, I don't want you, thank you very much, then he will allow you. Now, obviously, hell is a lot more. It's torment. It's it's punishment and the wrath of God. Everything else, but it's also an existence that is separated from all of the blessings that God does give us. It's separated from the blessedness of God, not separated from the presence of God in the sense as right. in the <clears throat> sense that the 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 person in hell is always under the wrath of god right um so that so that when we look in the first testament the idea is you can be israel and you can be in goshen and you can be under the blessing of god the right. blessed presence of god but right. you can also be in egypt and you can be under the presence of god in wrath right hell will not be the absence of it's, god's presence it is god present in wrath right and then secondarily uh, the the individual in hell, he still sustains their existence. He does, but I'm thinking uh, in terms of the things that we take for granted, like the the general um, 
um, the joys, the, and jo- the, 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 of life. the common graces that we all, you know, we all live under, whether believer or unbeliever, we have rain and sunshine and the blessings of friendship and and good food to eat and all that kind of stuff is common to man. Let's say, right? Well, although those blessings that we take for granted are not present in an independent existence, and I'm, I'm sidetracking, but I'm just thinking as far as is how much how much we depend on God and how much we have from God and the proper, the really the proper response is say, Lord, thank you. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, and to, and to think that we can live our lives, you know, we can try to live our lives and, and people go off and re- rebel, you know, and I did that in my life, rebelled and, and you try to find your, your source, source of joy and the things you do and you engage in sinful things and, and yet, sometimes it's fun, but sometimes it's, you you can become empty, you know, and lonely, and and you, you you sort of play the prodigal son and 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 try to live outside of daddy's house, so to speak, you know. Yeah. And you realize I had it good, you know. And so I'm just thinking of how good God is, not just that he's not he's not a cold, independent God, but he's a very caring, you know, all of his all of his attributes pouring into into our lives of who he is. And um, I don't know, I'm just sidetracked on the whole, on the whole discussion and, and thinking about God as our, as our source and God is, as, and just to say, Lord, thank you, you know, and to, it's, it's not just, not just I am who I am. It's part of who I am is I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm long suffering. Right. Yeah. And, and that anyway, so there's not any facet of all that God is that is not at every moment necessary for us. Yeah. Which, which, let me just jump in again as I'm thinking about this. So Paul has these visions of heaven and of course he's given, he says a messenger from Satan, right? To keep him from boasting about these visions, right? And he prayed three times to the Lord, can you take this, this thorn of my flesh away? And God says, Jesus says, no, my grace is sufficient. He still has this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, you know, that kept him, you know, from boasting. But he was given, God, Jesus says, my grace, like moment by moment, grace from Jesus is enough to overcome that pain you're in. Right. right. You know, it's over, it's, grace from Jesus is overcome, is, is enough to cover, to, to compensate and, and to get you through the, the trial and the hurt and the pain. That's grace. That's, that's, that's source from God. I'm just thinking, you know, thinking, you know, in yeah, practical, you know. When you look at uh, Isaiah and when you look at Jeremiah, from God's perspective, it's the ultimate insult to give his glory or to designate his character to something else or someone else, such as an inanimate object. Yeah. God has made the tree, but you cut the tree, you shape the tree, you decor the tree, and then you bow at the tree. One part of the tree you use to cook your food over or to warm yourself, and the other part you decide, well, this is my deity. Right. One of the things that is divulged in that text in Jeremiah is this, that we want a God that we can control and a God of aseity, a God who is independent, a God who does not need us, 
is not a God that we can control. And I, I think a lot of people, and even a lot of Christians, and, and, and maybe part of our sanctification is the process where we try to control God, and He will not be controlled. And when we come to the end of ourselves and say, okay, Lord, your will be done, you know, it's the, you know, it's the, um, it's Samuel's mother praying for a child, you know, and of course she changes her prayer and he gives her, you know, Samuel. I think a lot of it, it's, it's this, and it's a, you know, Lord, how come you didn't do this? How come you do that? How come you're not doing, you know, kind of, we kind of, and it's, and God will not be arm twisted or God will not be coerced to do anything other than his own will. And I think there's sometimes with some people, there's that, there is that Jacob wrestling with God, you know, um, there's that striving with God. You know, a lot of people, you know, you may be striving out there against the Lord and struggling and trying to, to, to pin him down, you know, and he will not be pinned down, you know, and, and it's coming to the other recognition of, well, he's the Lord, you know, and I think that's a lot of us, you know, and, and, um, yeah. I think Dr. John Frame would say something of this nature. He would say, his aseity is a sovereign aseity. Yes, yes. Uh, literally, he is not only self-existent, but his self-existent shows his lordship, demonstrates his mastery over all things. Right. So that when the believer or, or when the sinner is before God, they are before a God who allows this by sheer kindness, yeah. by sheer mercy, not in any way by need. Yeah. Which, in what you were saying earlier, makes the cross far more profound. There, there, there was a, a teaching some time ago that uh, God had created us and, and lost his children, right? This, this is rooted in Mormonism, but yeah. it found its way into some Christian circles. And, and uh, two of the more popularized proponents of that are now um, with the Lord, so I won't mention their name in this framework, but um, uh, the idea that God had lost his children and so he sent his son because he needed to get those children back. Listen, one third of the angels, yeah, the spiritual beings went rogue on God. There was no redemptive plan put in place for them. God was not in need of those one third of angels. When man sinned against God in, in cosmic treason, he, he could have ended us in the garden. Or he could have let us eat from that other tree, which would have sealed our fate just like that. We would have been in perpetual spiritual death. That is eternal separation from our holy God. The cross is not there because God needed us. The cross is there because a God who doesn't need us wanted us. Provided for us. That's, that's, that's stunning. I'm I'm just I'm just thinking about um the fact that as an independent self-existing god he is willing to give us what we need. Hmm. He is willing which tells me about his goodness. Yes. 
Because if he's self-existent and not good, then I'm in trouble. But if he's self-existent and good and loving, you know, and, and everything else, but let's say in his goodness, then he does give to me strength when I'm feeling weak, right? He gives me rest when I'm when I'm weary and tired. Yes. He yes. gives me he gives me peace when I have anxious thoughts, you know. Yes. He gives me hope when I'm feeling hopeless. He gives me love, of course, by by Christ, you know. He gives me his power when I'm and when I'm weak, you know. He 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 gives me freedom when I'm in bondage. I mean, everything that we have that's good is from the self-existent, independent God who's also good. Yes. I yes. feel like preaching right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Can I get an amen you out were there? Preaching, amen. <laughs> I mean, even 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 the prophet Jeremiah. He says, "I will. I have put my words in your mouth." Right? Jeremiah chapter one. I, I I have put. I will put my words in your mouth. And Jesus says to the disciples, "Don't worry about what you're going to say for." I will provide the words you're going to say in the time you need it. Oh, and by the way, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branch. You know, there's this whole, Yeah. I mean, just, and so why is it that we, and I'm guilty of this, stray away from that and say, yes, God, I got that. Now let me go up and do off and do that without you. I think it's, I think, I think the, the, the course of maturity in Christian faith is to realize moment by moment, it has to be lived with a, a dependency on God. Like moment by moment, absolutely, a dependency on, on the Holy Spirit, a dependency on, on, on God, everything. This is, where, this is where, if I'm honest, John, the, the thoughts of, of Dr. Grudem come to mind. So classical theology would highlight two categories of the perfections of God, the communicable, which are communicated or shared right. with humanity, and the incommunicable, those that are not shared, or to use Dr. Grudem's words, are shared to a lesser degree. Right. And so some scholars have struggled with the aspect of, well, how is the aseity of God shared, right? right. The fact that we have children and the children grow up and want a certain independence. They, they want to show if if they are if they are healthy right. that they can live life to a certain degree right. on their own. Yeah, but it is not the kind of independence that God possesses. It's right. a, it's it's much lesser in right. its degree. Right. Right. Because we are able to demonstrate some level of of independence. Because our God in totality is altogether independent. Right. But we should never uh, be misguided in our understanding of our own finite, very limited independence, right? Right. To think that we are not at every moment altogether dependent upon him. Right. One of the things that God says, even when he makes man, is it's not good for man to be alone. Right. You need to be in relationship. Right. You're dependent on God, right? Right. And you're dependent on one another. Right. And and no man is an island to himself. So what we see is while we show some small mark or modicum of this, of this well, I'm growing and I can do that. Right. Growth. Humanly, growth intellectually, growth spiritually, 
will never mean for the human being or any other creature that we will come to the place where we do not at every moment desperately need him. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I think the words of a hymn are very, very uh, I need the every hour. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> You're good. You're better singer than I am. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to sing it. Um, you have the one, I need the every hour. But you also have the the classic hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Yeah. Every hour, I need thee. Yeah. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, for I come to thee. Yeah. And, and in the most wonderful way, before we come to the place where God has to prove that we need him, yeah. may we willingly bow our knees in acknowledgement of our need of he who is uncaused and is the cause of everything. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Core and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.